0: You are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to preach tonight. I want to talk to you tonight about the meaning of the cross of Christ. The meaning of the cross of Christ. And I think the meaning of the cross has often been lost sight of in the meaningless limbo of man's misinterpretation. In some of the, southern, in some of the countries where they, wo- where they have wood carvers, the man goes down the street peddling crosses and crying out, Anyone want to buy a cheap cross? Anybody want to buy a cheap cross? Well, I'm going to tell you, my friends, tonight, the cross is not cheap. The cross is not cheap. And I'm going to say another thing. When we come to think about the cross of Jesus Christ, it contains the whole scope of Christian thinking. The cross is not a mere ornament to be worn on the lapel of a man's coat. Neither is it something to be worn on the lapels of a coat or a piece of jewelry around a woman's neck or something to adorn the steeple of churches and other places. It's not merely an architectural ornament. I believe that the cross perhaps that has no, there, there's nothing particularly wrong about the usage of it like that. But if properly understood, the deeper meaning of the cross of Jesus Christ. Great movements have their emblems, and great movements have their insignias appropriate for the spirit of their movement. The philosophy of their ideals. The Communists have their hammer and their sickle. The Nazis have their swastika. And America has it's flag of old glory, which stands for loyalty and purity and sacrifice. But the emblem of Christianity is a Roman cross. And I think appropriately enough, because it was on a Roman cross that our Lord died and paid our sin debt. Paid the debt for all men. And I like to say all men. Not for a part. Not for a designated few. I believe that when Jesus died, he died for all and all were included. I do not believe that he ever died for a part or a portion of the people. You say, Brother Lincoln, you believe that he died for all? Yes, that's the reason I preach to people whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. And take of the water of life freely. I'm not ashamed of what I believe I'm a Baptist, an old-fashioned, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist. I believe there's only three classes of people on earth, and that's the Baptists, the Catholics, and the Protestants. Baptists are not Protestants. They never were in the Catholic Church, they never came out of it. That's the reason we don't have part of it to us. Amen. But let me say this to you. I believe in the autonomy of the local church. I believe in that. Come to that in a moment. The emblem of Christianity, I said, where he died for all men, for all times, and in all degrees of depravity, not for a few. You say, you think Jesus died for everyone? I believe he died for everyone, and everyone can be saved. Amen? I believe everyone can be saved. I do not believe God ever predetermined anyone to be lost. God pity you if you believe that God created millions of little babies just to be dumped into hell. I don't believe a word of it. I don't believe a word of it. I believe in the free grace of God. Amen. You say, well, Brother Lincoln, they'll disagree with you won't be the first time. I've been criticized by experts. I've been swallowed by whales, and walked on by elephants, and crawled over by minnows, and nibbled at by minnows, and crawled over by ants, and barked at by dogs, and sprayed by skunks, and brayed at by donkeys, till I got so when a stink bug gets on me now, I just, that's all there is to it. I don't like it. <laughs> fact of the matter is, I don't mind being swallowed by a whale, but I hate to be nibbled to death by minnows. That's the thing I don't like. The cross of Jesus has been hallowed and respected and honored across the centuries as the emblem of suffering and shame. And upon that cross, Jesus brought God and man together in reconciliation. He brought man and God together in reconciliation. the cross of Jesus meant, first of all, the meaning. It means the measure of man's sin. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. That ye may be able to comprehend what is all the saints, what is the length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which possesses, which passeth knowledge. A sinless God is more conscious. And I think more sensitive to sin than than sinful man. Than sinful man could ever be. God is more sensitive. We're often appalled at the shock and shocked at the depths of sin to which men have fallen, and our hearts are made are, are made to bleed when we witness the effects manifested in broken hearts and broken lives and broken homes. The reaches of the cross. The reaches of the cross of Christ present the world its depth in its depth. I mean by that the length and the height of man's sin is dramatically and effectually set forth in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the extremity of God's love as opposed to the extremity of man's guilt and sin. Sin that is neither natural, normal, nor necessary. Sin that God hated yesterday then hates today and will hate forever. Sin that nothing has plowed such furrows or wrought such havoc as sin. Sin that is the cause of every broken heart and the cause of every tear. Sin, Brighting, blistering, mildewing, damning, condemning sin that's depopulated heaven and populated hell. Sin. I think sometimes, if I was going to call a preacher to a church, I wouldn't ask him how he stood on the deity of Christ. I wouldn't ask him how he stood on the atonement. I wouldn't ask him how he stood on the new birth or and second coming of Christ. I'd ask him only one thing. How do you stand on the matter of sin? If a man's straight on the matter of sin, then he'll be straight on every other subject of the Bible. Sin, it's the blight of the universe, and the scourge of hell and the leprosy of the race. And it had to be dealt with, severely sin had to be dealt with. Just as radium was used, my friend, in the treatment of cancer an expense of something, so in the treatment of sin, God had to use something expensive the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man said to me, Man said to me, Dr. Lincoln, do you believe that the blood of Jesus, the blood of one man, can atone for the sin of the whole world? And I said, Yes. Amen. He said, I do not believe the sin of one man can atone for the sin of a whole world. I said, Sir, may I remind you that it was not a commercial transaction. It was a moral satisfaction. But had it been a commercial transaction, I believe that the deity of Christ lays a costliness to his blood that would have made it effective for the sin of the whole world. Thank God I believe in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing in heaven, nothing in heaven or earth Reflects the depths of the measure of man's sin, like the cross of Christ. That, my friend, I want you to look at the upward side of it. The cross of Jesus Christ that pointed upward to God the height and the depth and the width. It pointed up toward God. May I remind you of this tonight? That the cross of Christ pointing up reminds us that salvation came from the heart of God. God furnished it. God fought it. God gave it. And it's by Him that we are redeemed tonight. That's the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus. He devised no plan of salvation. Listen. And He was willing to offer His only Son upon a cross, to offer his only Son upon a cross, the Lamb of God which would take away the sin of the world. Not only the upward look. Did you ever notice the rainbow? God said, I'll set my bow in the heavens and it shall be a token between me and thee. Not between me and the dead antediluvians, but between me and the ark people. If you ever notice the rainbow, it's always turned up. And it's always unstrung. It's never turned down toward you. It's turned up toward Him. And all the arrows have been shot into the heart of God. That's the reason when we look up at the rainbow, we have a blessed hope and know that there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. It's all fixed. One day after the flood, Noah came out of the ark and Noah came out and looked around. The rains were descending and the thunders roaring, the lightnings flashing, and Mrs. Noah said, I believe it's going to be, there's going to be another flood. And Noah looked up and said, no, there'll never be another one because there's the rainbow. And sometimes when I am tempted and sometimes when I'm tried and it looks like I'm about to be overcome, I look up to him who is seated at the right hand of God. And said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And so tonight I look up to the throne of God, from whence all of my help shall come. lady said to me the other night, Dr. Lakin, do you think you'll make it? Do you think you'll make it in? I said, I've already got it made. (laughs) Why? Because I'm already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he's up there holding up my image before him. I used to say he's holding up my hands before him. No, my name he's holding up before him, but that's not right. He's holding up in his hands our image that's engraved in the palms of his hands. Now, isn't that good? That's a lot better than my name. There might be a lot of people by my name, but there's no one ever looked like this mug. Amen? So you know something when he's holding my picture up before him and praying that my faith fails not, thank God I know that I'm secure. He's looking up. And then I want you to notice not only the upward look, I want you to notice the outward look, the length and the breadth. Oh, if we could only see tonight the down the upward look begging us to come. You say, Brother Lakin, how if we could only grasp the reach of the great wide arms of the cross, what they can accomplish and what they hold, how we could get to it tonight if we could only see that. If we could only see that. You know what I've been doing? He said, open, if we could get people to see the blood, the, the fountain open in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. You say, Brother Lakin, what do you mean tonight by this? I mean this. The outward reach of the gospel. The outward reach of the gospel. You know what I've been doing lately? I've been asking God to give me a love for every soul for whom Jesus died. I've been asking God to give me a love for every soul for whom Jesus died. That's the reason I like to see when I'm driving down the road and I see a church yonder and about a dozen or two dozen buses around it, I know they're going after somebody. Amen? I know they care. Oh, I know you get criticized for it. And they talk about bubble gum and all the rest of it, but you let them talk. Amen. You go ahead winning people to Jesus Christ. Because you not only have the upward look, but thank God you have the outward look. And when you get the proper upward look, you'll have the outward look. But you'll have love for soul. Preacher, oh, and I know, preacher, when you start running buses, though, Past some preacher's house, he gonna get they're gonna get after you, amen. I, like a preacher said to me the other day, that fella ran a, a bus right up past my church. I said, Why didn't you run one of past his? He said he picked up a little boy, one of my Sunday school boys, and took him and baptized him. I said, Why hadn't you baptized him before? He said, He's a sheep stealer, that's what he is. I said, You can't steal satisfied sheep. Well, you put them on sawbriars and dog fennel and broom sage and if they can get clover they'll jump out. Amen. Now you young preachers don't matter when they start criticizing you. I'll tell you if you want them to all speak well of you, you just be as no count as they are. Amen. Somebody said to me not long ago, no I never was, well, I was in the establishment for 45 years. I wasn't thrown out, I wasn't kicked out. I just mounted my horse and tipped my hat and slowly rode away, that's all. (laughs) Somebody said, did you preach against the convention? I said, no, my mama told me never to speak evil of the dead. And so. (laughs) Let me show you. It's like a preacher said. I'd like for you to hold a meeting in my church, but you'd stir up a stink. I said, not unless there's something dead in it. I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, the outward reach of it! Don't that. Down yonder in the alley, out yonder, my friends, in the out on the plains, and over yonder tonight the outreach of it you young preachers don't be discouraged when they start criticizing you and talking about you remember as long as they're kicking you in the rear you out in front don't forget that <laughs> Amen. i've been ask, i've been asking god recently to give me a love, a, a love for every soul for whom jesus died not just people on the right side of the tracks not that I suppose tonight as I stand here and I'd like to say, tonight angel of God come out of heaven and down here tonight and show us whom God loves. You know what he'd do? He'd walk over the embattlements of heaven and down the golden stairway and come in through this world tonight and go out yonder and down yonder to climb the marble steps of the rich man's palace to tell him that God loved him. Then down yonder to the humble hut in the alley to tell the scarlet woman and the drunkard that God loved them. Out yonder to the farmer's door to tell him that God loved him and to every village, hamlet and town to tell them that God loved them. And then out across the rippling waters, the mighty sea, to the index of Greenland's icy mountain and down in this coral strand and out across the pathless region of the of trackless the jungle where the half-naked head lived to tell him that God loved them. And he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him, and don't you like that whosoever? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God, give me a love for every soul tonight. Oh, the downward, the upward reach and the outward reach of the cross. Then the downward reach, down to a burning hell down to a burning hell. The jaws of death and hell are broken. Listen to me, my friend. And Jesus descended into hell. I may be foolish and I may not, I may be foolish tonight. I believe that when Jesus Christ died upon a cross and descended, I believe that He literally went to hell. I believe He literally went to hell. And at Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Where is the heart of the earth? Somebody said it's 11 miles to the heart of the earth. And at the heart of the earth, it's a bubbling, boiling, blazing fire. And I believe that Jesus descended into hell and felt every pain and anguish that whatever that any sinner would ever, uh, would ever feel, I believe he felt it. Amen? Before he arose from the dead, everyone that died went down. And this day when he went down and he looked across yonder and he saw he he saw he saw Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and those boys. And you know what he said? Got good news for you, fellas. On the third morning, I'm going to take you out of here. I'm going to take you out of here and up and into the glory. That's what I'm going to do for you. Oh, let me tell you something tonight. Let me tell you something tonight. The measure of man's sin. What else is it? The meaning is the manifestation of God's love. For when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We speak of the love of God as manifested in nature. And it is in a sunset, in a a red rose, in a rainbow, in a bubbling stream or brook. But if you really want to know God's love, You can look at the flowers and see his wisdom. Look at the stars and see his glory. Look at the, and look at the ocean and see his power. When you look at Calvary, you'll see his heart. When you look at Calvary, you'll see his heart. I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood. He turned his languid eyes on me as beneath the cross I stood. I heard my mother pray. I heard my preacher preach. But I'll tell you the thing that broke my heart and brought me to Jesus was I saw him hanging on a tree. And that's the thing that broke my heart. Listen to me tonight, my friend. Listen to me tonight. If we only know, as we see God's love as manifested in Calvary, come and stand beside that cross tonight. And look with grateful heart upon the limpid crimson pool at the foot of the cross. And look up the lacerated face of the Son of God and watch his bloody locks as they grip in his eyes and spatter upon his breast and pride and look at his hands and as the blood poured from his hands and side and feet and see the tear-stained cheeks swollen by the inflicted wounds with a godless mob and see his back as it was scarred by the scourging of the lashing of the cat and tails. What do you see? You say human cruelty. Ah, oh, you see more than that. Human cruelty too, but that's to be expected. That's manlike. I'll tell you what you see you see the great the great thing to me is not this that the great thing is not that man would do it but the great part the great miracle to me is that God would permit it that God would permit it that's the miracle of all miracles to me that God would permit the prince of heaven to be so scarred and beaten as my friend I upon God. Let me give you another one tonight sinful Vile, worthless, and only one thing prompted it, and that was God's love. That was God's love. It's all summed up in the wonderful phrase, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and that begotten Son means something to me. Frankie told you a moment ago about my son, 20, uh, 31 years of age. I was yonder one night in Akron, Ohio in the hotel, and my phone rang at one o'clock in the morning. My pastor down in Florida said, Dr. Lincoln, something terrible happened here. Bill had a wreck, and it was fatal. It was fatal. He had told my wife, he said, I'll call Dr. Lincoln, and she said, well, he'll have to know it, but I'll have two to bury. Some preachers came and said, do you want us to take you to drive your car to West Virginia? My wife had said, I'll bring his body and meet you in West Virginia. I said, no, I want to go by myself because there's some things I want to get straight. And for 300 miles I sat there and my Lord sat beside me in the most marvelous fellowship I ever had. When my wife came up the stairs in our home there in the hills that we'd had for 35 years, I said, honey, we'll have to be, we'll have to be reconciled to it. And she said, I never can. Oh, I said, yes, for 35 years I told people God's grace was sufficient. If it's not sufficient for us, then it wasn't sufficient for them. Then it wasn't sufficient for them. One morning, while the dew was still on the grass, we walked up on the hill. Up from the little home where we lived and up there under the big tree. I stood beside that grave and I put my arm around her and said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Then I said to my wife, honey... I know what God meant when he said that he gave his only begotten Son. I know what he meant when he said he gave the only Son that he had. What more? To keep me out of hell. Amen. You know what I think tonight, my brethren? We need to come back to some old-fashioned, old-time, genuine Holy Ghost, down-to-earth preaching telling men and women that Jesus Christ died and they can be saved, amen? amen? We used to hear people talk about getting saved. We don't hear much about that anymore. We hear a lot about being baptized, and we have hear a lot about joining. And another word that I've heard of it till I'm sick, make your commitment. What are you going to commit? You're not saved by commitment, you're saved by trusting Jesus Christ, who died and paid for all your sins, past, present and future. When you trust Him as a complete redeemer from all sin, past, present and future, the moment you believe on Him, you're sure of going to heaven This ship is already there. Amen. You're sure of going to heaven as you're already there. Let me tell you something tonight. That's the meaning of the cross. Let me give you another. It's the means of salvation. The means of salvation, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's the picture. They were all bitten there and dying with the serpents. Moses said, "I want you to give me a. I want you to give me a remedy for these. I want you to take away this plague. I want you to take away the plague." And God said, "I'll do better than that, Moses. I'll give you a remedy for those that are bitten." Amen. Not only give you, I'll give you a remedy for those that are bitten. You put a serpent on a pole in the midst of the camp, and whosoever looks will be healed. He said, well, I don't understand how looking at that brazen serpent, how the brass of that serpent would would counteract the poison and the bite of the serpent in the blood. I don't understand that. He didn't say if you understand it. All he said for you to do was to look, amen. That's all you have to do tonight is to look, is to look is to look, and if you look tonight, thank God there is life in a look. Reformation can never do it. Education can never do it. Nothing can do it. Let me tell you something tonight. It's the means, it's the means of separation. Not only the means of salvation, but the means of separation. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. And we have, and we look to God through faith, my friends. We look to God through faith. And this group of people that give their life to Him, Christ loved and gave Himself for it. That's what I'm talking about, the church. I believe if He gave His life for it, we ought to live for it. Amen. Paul was very popular until he embraced Christianity religion was good but when he embraced Christianity that got him in trouble. when he had when he embraced that that got him in trouble. I'm going to say this to you tonight the separation the cross means a separation and not only that but it's the motive to service. let me give you this and he died for all and hence they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him that died for them and rose again. Base all of your service tonight on that fact that he died. I used to hear Dr. T.T. T. Martin, little short fellow by that high, had snow-white hair and could talk as fast as a woman. And Dr. Martin, Dr. Martin used to preach that you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. And he said, because you're bought, therefore, glorify God. You have no right to say you'll do as you please if you're a Christian. You have no right to say I'll give my money to the church or I'll not give it if I want to. Not if you're a Christian. You have no right to say I'll be baptized or not be baptized if I want to. Not if you're a Christian. Because you're not your own, you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your bodies. Not only that, tonight it's the melody of heaven. What do you mean by that? I mean this. And they sang a new song, saying thou art worthy to take the book and to open it and to look upon it. Thou was slain and so forth. So that's the melody of heaven, my friends. Tonight is the cross of Jesus. And we read this. There was silence in heaven for space of half an hour. Someone said that perhaps that was the time when Jesus was dying upon the cross. Standing around that cross, I see him tonight with the pain with its fire-shod feet racing across his nerve-wracked body and his bloody locks dripping in his eyes and spattering upon his breast and drank. And Pretty soon I hear him say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he said, It is finished! And he dropped his chin upon a pulseless chest and said, It's finished. You know, have you heard me say, the little blood dropped down upon his beard and to his breast and down to the ground beneath and whispered to a grain of sand and said, It's finished. And the grain of sand whispered to the roots of the grass and said, It's finished. And the roots of the grass whispered to the tiny green stems and said, It's finished. And they waved their tiny green fingers toward the branches of the trees and said, It's finished. And the branches of the trees said to the birds and the boughs, It's finished. And the little birds took off from the tree and flew their way up to the fleecy clouds and said, "It's finished." Then the fleecy clouds floated down to the gate of heaven. And they cooled it up and down the streets of heaven. It's finished. Thank God, it's finished. Amen. It's finished. Then the great chorus will sing. You know what I want to do? I love to preach. People wouldn't hire me to preach. it would hire them to let me. You know what I want to do? I One of these you. days, it'll you. all be over. Amen. Amen. I get to heaven. I'm going to take a few of the angels over in the corner and preach to them a little while. Amen. Because I, I know something they don't know. <laughs> and I want to tell them it's the joy of Christ's salvation. When they join the scene, the chorus. When we come to sing redemption Stone, they the they'll have to fold their wings, because Amen. angels do not know the joy that Christ's salvation brings. Amen. I'll join in and sing it there, and I'll get there with them. Let me tell you something, my friend. Say, Brother Lincoln, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. For 55 years, I've never changed. My method or my message, and thank God I don't intend to change it now. Amen. I'm getting too near the home port now. The old trail started back on in the head of Greenbrier Creek in a little country church in Wayne County, West Virginia. In these fifty-five years, she's wound down back and forth across this continent. I've worked it like a boy hoeing a corn row. Crossed one ocean ten times and another and twice one of these days she'll come to an end down on the banks of the river of life. I've traveled over a million miles and she'll come to an end down on the banks of the river of life. You know how I'd like to go if my Lord tarries? I'll tell you what. I'd like to be preaching to a great crowd like this. And leaning over holding an old sinner by the hand. The captain of my salvation tapped me on the shoulder and said, Old soldier, it's time for you to come home. Then when I step out of the boat, out of the life boat, and said, "When I see him, and I hang my sword on the shimmering wall of the city of God," I'll say, "I brought a little fruit home with me as I came." Amen. Yeah. That's the thing that's going to count, my friends. When this little life is done, let me tell you something. I say I've never, I've never changed it. I've never changed the message. I've never changed. It. Out in Chicago, one day they were having the fellowships of faith. They were having the fellowships of faith. They were gathered, every religion was being represented. One day the old prophet, was a, a man stood up and said, the last to represent the Christian religion was that venerable orator, Joseph Cook from Boston. And he stood up and said, Leaning on my soul today, on my arm today is that of Macbeth. And he said, What can cleanse my soul of blood? And he leaped into the air, came down upon his feet, and said, What does the prophet of Mohammedanism offer? And he shook his head and said, Nothing. Then he leaped into the air again, came down upon his feet, as the prophet of confusion, said, What does confusion is And he said, Nothing. Then he leaping into the air again, and came down upon his feet with a, Tears rolling down his face like bubbles in a mountain stream, and said, Glory to God. The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the hope tonight. John sat yonder one day and got the book, and he opened it, and he got the book, and no one was able to open the book and look upon it. And John started to weep. No one in heaven or earth or hell seemed to be able to open the book and look upon it. John started to weep. And the angel said, Don't weep, John. For behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to open the book and to look upon it. And John said, I looked. And behold, a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And then they began to sing, In heaven. And on earth and under the earth, glory and honor and majesty and power and dominion be given unto him now and evermore. And so the center of fellowship in heaven is the slain Lamb of God. Shall we ever have anything less than that down here? By the grace of God, I'll take the old blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ and wave it in the face of every foe. It has never, it shall never, It must never come down until they sing, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate forth. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Amen. Well, Lord, that's another one tonight. Amen. I don't know how much longer, but I've asked him to let me have a few more years. If he does, I'll make the devil scratch gravel, amen? (laughs) That's what I'm asking him to let me have a few more years. If he does, you know what I want to see, brethren? A revival like I saw 50 years ago. 50 years ago, and we can have them, but they won't come cheap, amen? Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.